Hey, this is Chad Smith, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Chicken Foot, Bombastic Meat Bats. You're listening to In Conversation. I'm at the Firefly Festival in Dover, Delaware, with the Avid Brothers. So, when was the last time you guys were in a fight? <laughs> last week. Ah, <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Me and Scott oh. got in a fight earlier today. That's right. <laughs> we didn't come to blows. You guys look okay. You don't look, yeah, you don't look like you're here. No cucks. No, you're still walking around. Well, brothers. Yeah, but you know, fighting used to be something that, like, when you're, you probably can relate, or any young male can relate. It used to be something on Friday night. You'd go out and think, getting in a fight would be yeah. something normal. That would be okay. I'm going to do Every year that passes, you're like, Whatever I gotta do to stay out of a fight, I think I'd like to do. Yeah, that. I'm at the point now where I'll just flat run from a fight. <laughs> Anybody around, I'm I'm not gonna get embarrassed. <laughs> not worth it. It's no, like no. really no. about you know, and back you know, like in my drinking days, and that you know, and that doesn't help when you play in bars and people are aggressive. And, you know, but there's always. There should be a way to not. There should be a way to not. Should be fight. a way. You, you're saying that uh, that uh, drinking can sometimes ag- aggravate it. I think that might be a bit of an understatement. I, I wonder how many. <laughs> I wonder how many are like how many actual fist fights that happen every Saturday night in this country. I wonder how many would happen if there was no drinking involved. You know. Yeah, because you're making bad decisions. No doubt. <laughs> you're, you're, you're taking things seriously. You ought not to take seriously. You know, you're getting you feeling getting getting hurt. Whatever. Not worth it. Not that any of us are going to make any more bad decisions from here. Yeah, right. No, 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 no we'll never do that. No, no. we'll never do that. Well, let's let's talk about a little bit how I know you guys, and we know each other. Start off from our mutual friend, well, Ryan Hewitt, and Ryan engineered. He engineered the whole record. Uh, yeah, the last two records. For the last two, two records for us. Yeah. And he told actually he told me before. He was like, you gotta play with these guys, these guys are great. And he's like, you know, just really telling me how great you guys were. And for whatever reason, my schedule, I couldn't do it. And because I think he was doing it down in your neck of the woods, right? Yeah, we were in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So you did it later. I came later. Um, it sometimes happens. Uh, there's a few tracks. That uh, we wanted to put drums on, and, and so I went to Malibu, and uh, I don't do it a lot. And it's kind of, it's, I don't want to say it's weird, but to like play after all the music's done, it's much the, as you guys know. We want to play all together. Sure, That's sure. the best vibe, at least for me and for most bands that play together. But um, it was really, first of all, the music was so good, and that was very, I'm very happy. With be playing such good music but like the songs was really for me it was really easy to like play to them because it just was a real like natural fit and the groove was really good and like I don't know it was really easy there was no like laboring over it or what part or what should I do or Ryan was just like yeah that's what Ryan do your thing yeah so we, we banged it out and I'm like yeah, yeah a couple passes so um I mean that, that I think that says something about the songwriting and the way you guys you know, put your songs together, and, um, so it was a real honor for me to be part of it. I love the record, cool. almost as much as my kids. <laughs> I think I, the record, right? <laughs> yes, I think I sent you that video yeah. of my three-year-old. Exactly, right? Yes, yeah. he's yeah. singing along in the car seat. 
that was our, our go-to album when I was taking him to school there for a while. Um, and, and of course, Rick Rubin. Um, now, how, how do you, how'd you guys hook up with it? Well, you know, you're making me think about, uh, like I always visualize things and start thinking, oh, wow, this metaphor, this and that. But I think about compost when you're trying to uh, plant a garden, all the things and mix up and marinate for years or whatever. And I'm thinking about, like, we were kids growing up on chili peppers in the teenagers, along with a lot of other records that Rick was part of. So that's part of our sensibility in the making, the marinade, you know, over the years. I, I can't help but believe that there's, I'm not talking about magic here, but I'm just talking about the, the making of what we are. Uh, it would be natural that you would probably, or we would all kind of see something yeah. in, the same, in the yeah. same way, because we all, for whatever reasons, have traded and come from some of the same places. Us, obviously, in a different generation, but definitely products in, in many ways of some of the things you were making along the way. And uh, that's really interesting. Meeting Rick and him him being uh, moved by anything we did, you know, of course, at first you're just like, oh, it's great, this is such an honor and everything. But then you, you got in there and started working with him and realized, well, we're also comrades, you know? Like, this isn't, yeah, we're, we're actually see a lot, see eye to eye about like, this isn't about one dude's done this and he gets this praise and we get this. It's like, hey, we all have a common interest here. We like making a common thing. And what, what's going to happen in the stew, you know, that, that we make it. Yeah, I think that helps with the natural vibe, Yeah, you know, as far as us all working together. Two, two things on that. Yeah, I think it'd be unavoidable uh, to, to, to notice that what you've done some in the past would be a part of our vocabulary. Just mm, part, right. part of your treatment, part of your brew has, has become part of our vocabulary. So that helps towards a, a good melding. But yeah, like while you're talking about how you know you don't love to do it afterwards, you'd rather if you can find this thing together, get in a room together, all that. It wasn't possible because of scheduling and lives and everything being crazy in that regard. But uh, it'd be an interesting thing uh, since it went so well musically. You got to wonder in a lot of scenarios, would that be um, indicative of a good sitting in a room kind of chemistry? Yeah. You know, you got to wonder think, like if we're if, if the chemistry is so obvious right off musically, you yeah. got to wonder like are these people sort of you know all on the same wavelength in their conversation, their chemistry uh, all around? I think so. It seems I like, like it, it to me. Yeah. Like it, yeah. I think it would work. Kind of an interesting. I think it would work. That's the interaction with other people. That's really That's what it all boils down to yeah. making any art really. Well, it, we're lucky that we had that that we had a, a full records experience with Rick. Before uh, yeah. you, you did a couple with us because there was a sort of a, a, a breaking down and rebuilding during our first experience with Rick. And tempo was a big part of that, so so uh, I think that that helped kind of getting a little bit of uh, experience with Rick under our belts and then being able to come together. What, 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 do, what do you think? I'm interested to see because uh, you know I have a lot of history with him, obviously. But what do you think his best attributes are as a, as a producer? <laughs> Um, see if they're similar to mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just thinking tempo-wise. You know, we, we came from a place where we were playing uh, hard rock, uh, uh, something like a melodic hardcore, melodic punk rock. We broke it down to where it started with the seven-out banjo guitar. So for tempo, we were doing just that hi-hat kick drum because we were playing on the street song. Uh, we I was going to ask you where that... That came from yeah. So it was driving front and back. Started with backbeat. We we're like, well, why don't How did you get stuck with the backbeat? Well, <laughs> that was, I, I just that's well, that's just what I'm natural to. It's, it's okay. really lucky that Scott actually feels the front beat because I I just feel the backbeat. You know, I just feel the backbeat. Okay. And and I was I was basing it off of uh, oddly enough no no bluegrass or anything like that. The uh, 
I really need to find out for sure, but I think the Zeppelin song is called Out on the Tile. No, like, uh, uh, no, I know the one you're talking about. Out on the Tile. Okay, okay, okay. I know the one. Uh, yeah. Oh, the way you're smiling yeah. at me, yeah. that's the way it should be. Like a leaf is to a tree. And that, there's that big kick drum. And uh, we listened to a lot of Zeppelin. And, I, and like when we first started playing this, you know, just acoustic instruments, I was hearing that song. I was like, man, you know, this is this, is, you know, our feet are moving anyway. Put some underneath and make more racket, you know. <laughs> make more racket on the street. That's what that's it is. The street. That's the game. Yeah. You got to yeah. make the racket. You yeah. That's what we were interested. In. So we 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 got that going. We we added Bob very early on, and then over the years, me and Scott and Bob just sort of we created our own rhythms and, and within songs there would be so many rhythm changes, and we just became one voice. Just the three of us became one rhythmic voice and uh and that that one rhythmic voice was uh something that when rick first heard it he he loved the songs but he was like this is a little bit confusing at times because y'all get it but no one else does sort of you know <laughs> who cares yeah, yeah exactly that was always our attitude that must be you know what we got something different going on that, that was always our attitude it's always worked up until now so that was that was a a major element when we were trying to figure out how to make it maybe not just digestible but make it more understandable for anyone that would hear a song to, to be open to the song you know for not to have confusing things happen rhythmically you know? and he helped us kind of stop and breathe a little bit yeah. and say okay deadline let's, let's, uh, let's start thinking in more professional terms professional meaning let's get it let's get it right let's do it to the front asking what, what what is one of the, the most important attributes for Rick as a producer that's that's up there slowing down saying hey Take your time. Let's take our time. Let's get it right. You know, let's find out what works the best, and uh, and not stop until we do. You know, yeah. kind of do. Yep, that was very important. Yeah. Well, we, we he does that. I mean, to me, he's, he's you know twenty whatever years now, 20, 23 years now, um, and I've just watched him grow as a person and as a as a. As a yeah, it's got to be interesting for you for knowing yeah, so Yeah, you know, long. we knew him as, when he came to, we had finished, we were working on a Bud Sugar record. Yeah. And we were leaving the, our label, EMI, and we were looking for record company. And we met with, like, every record company. And Rick had American Records, and he, he well, I remember we went out to lunch, and we, went, and we knew him, but we thought, we knew him as, like, you know, the guy from Slayer, and, Right. And, and, you know, of course, we knew what he'd done with, with uh, NDMC and his records and Aerosmith and that Walk This Way thing. And, <clears throat> but we were like, I don't know about his label. We felt like maybe it was too small of a label. We kind of wanted to go a little bigger, bigger label. He said, if you don't sign with American, I'd still like to produce you. And we thought about that, and, and we obviously we ended up working with him. And at that point, we were really, Ernie was real fast and hard and... and uh, very highly charged, right? Yes, very highly charged. And he helped us kind of, like you say, kind of, kind of like the songwriting. I think, I think our songwriting started to mature a little bit more. Had to be get better songwriters than myself and John. Have been in the band now for yeah. we toured together on Mother's Milk and, yeah. and wrote all the songs together on Blood Sugar. But he just um, we would a lot of our songs come from jams, just improvising. Um, and so our songs would be like 
really long. And we'd be like, okay, you know, and this part would go eight times, and this part would go, you know, whatever, you know. And, and he he was really good at first, and still, at first it really helped us picking out, like, what was really important. He's a great editor, right? He's a great he's editor, and really good with arrangements, and he still does that to this day, but he's, he's honed his craft and his skill so well with working with so many different types of artists. And that's the other thing. We like everything, and he loves everything, too. And he's such a fan. He's such a music fan. You know, he doesn't, doesn't really work the board. He's not, he doesn't come from an engineer background. He doesn't really play, plays a guitar, but he just knows what he likes and he's really good at finding what the essence of a good song is and what you bring to him and, and, and having that objective um, take on it where you know when you're in the band you're writing a song for six months or however long and you, you're kind of married to it you think, it's all, you think it's all great you want the whole thing to <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many times wait till you hear this yeah. oh this is our fucking greatest like, thing and he'd be like it's okay yeah. what else you got what else you got? We're like, like, what do you mean? What else you got? This is the shit. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll play. Oh, there's this thing we jammed on Tuesday. Like, yeah, we just had this like one part. Maybe this other thing. He's like, that's great. You got to make a song. We're like, you're like ready to throw it away, you know? So he's. Uh, it's great to have that objective, unemotionally attached. <laughs> That was the I and B thing, you know, the, the taking the I out of uh, teams, the I and T. That's it. Uh, it's like he helped us remove uh, the individual from it and say, okay, this is a whole that, uh, that we got to be working for. It's got to be all about this making this great instead of what did I, you know, what yeah. did I make? He doesn't care. He doesn't care where it comes from, who song, who's no, idea, no. or what, you know. It's just whatever's the best thing for the whole and for, for the band. And, and you know, and I've just seen him really focus and really get really better at it. I mean, he's really, obviously, you guys know, he's working all the time, yeah. everybody, you know, every type of genre. And, and um, it's, uh, it's interesting. But yeah, it, that it makes sense that you say that. And that, that that's, that's been his strong point and continues to be. Um, was he more uh, when y'all started? Was he more? Uh, we should do it like this, guys. And over the years, is he more, like when I when we went into it, I asked him. I said, well, "How do you explain working with Mars Volta, Chili Peppers, Beasties, and uh, uh, Johnny Cash? And how how does that work?" So, you know, like, is it your stamp? And I was just kind of throwing some questions out there uh, to, to get a, a beat on. What we were in for, and he said, you know, 15 years ago, I would have gone into some of these, some of these sessions and been like, we got, we ought to do this, we have to do that, we have to try this. Now, awake, listening, I know every single one of these, every band, every different band in the rhythm, they each take a different approach. He said, how much more to listen? Have you noticed that change in him? Yeah, there? We've, we've had a I can't. It's interesting because. Um, not, you know, he's always, it's always kind of been, his technique, I guess, he's always kind of been, you know, more, in, of a, like you say, of a listener, yeah, more laid back, and, and some people, if they've never worked with him before, they're like, I saw Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, the guitar player, and I asked him, I saw him at Wallapalooza last year, and I asked him, you know, how's it going with Rick, and he was like, 
I don't know. He just he kind of sits on the couch and he doesn't really say much. No, I don't I heard, really know. I, heard, I saw the same thing with the interview with Metallica. They were like, "Well, it's good when he's there. He's not really there much." You know. <laughs> and that take you know some people are used to like, you know, yeah, no, this should be E flat here, and and then I turn around and then, you know, and where where you know Rick is is he's really absorbing everything and like but, but in, in Rick's way, which is usually. Horizontal on the couch. Yeah, that's right. And you don't think he's listening. And we're playing and chilling. We'll finish, you know, and he'll talk back. And I think the second chorus said, Turn around. Chad, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you always do that? Maybe you should do half as much. Yeah. I thought for sure I was going to sneak that guy's in there. I got away with something. Think more ACDC. You don't think he's like really, but he's like focused. Interesting, man. It's more. It's more like not so much what what is. It's just like what, what jumps out to him. It seems like, you know? like yes. what, what jumps out is unnatural. Yes. yes. You know? Which I think what makes, breaks up the groove. Right, right. Like it's all about the what groove. take what takes you out of the groove. What takes you out of the groove? Exactly. Did you did you do how did you do pre production type of stuff? We did we did demos. And you would send him demos. Those we would do together. Go to his house in the living room. Okay. All that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the biggest part. Yeah. yeah. It's like one of those terrible parts. Yeah. Yeah. Like this record was much more developed than the first record. Okay. The first record was like these sketches that were not inventoried or edited yeah. of how the pieces were going to be. This one we had gone through that with Rick, so when we were, we couldn't help it. We were better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you make it better. Like you think like that. Totally right? organized us in that way. And, uh, it, yeah. yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, so how did how who who, who, okay, who played first and who instrument? Yeah, yeah. How did you pick up the band? How did you pick up that? Sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We we, uh, we both started with piano. My dad said uh, when we were younger, he was like, "You want to play guitar? Everybody wants to play guitar. You want to play guitar? You got to learn piano." Your dad's a musician. He's a yeah, he's a guitarist and a singer and songwriter. He's out there playing. He was a, when we were kids. He was a welder. He loved I music. You told that. Yeah, yeah. Welding business. So it was denim and pearls yeah. on his shirts. Yeah. That's, we had friends that dad did, they didn't have a pickup truck. If their dad didn't have a pickup truck, we were like, uh, you know, what's wrong with your dad? Yeah, right. I drive a station wagon. You know, Come on. Where's all dads have pickup trucks. Where's just leather, you know? Where's his yeah, right. gloves, you know? But, uh, um, so he kind of got us both. We both played guitar to about seven. It's much more of a uh, disciplined practice of practices trains and he took to a uh, guitar player. I, I really just uh, yeah. yeah I guess it's, yeah. Yeah. and I was kind of like I, I got this <laughs> and I found myself on stage like uh this is also what am I gonna do He's going, this is the chord see this to this day Scott's got, and Scott's going, Scott's going no 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 no, no. I don't, I'm not worried about the chord but if I stand like this <laughs> If I can get this right, I look fucking cool. Yeah, it's gonna be no so one's cool. Gonna fucking know. I'm, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get this leather jacket, and I don't need to know the cord. <laughs> what cord? What the cord? I was doing fucking play the guitar. He just like a prop. That's that's what I was about. Yeah. We like I said, we're in the rock bands. You know, we hang out. We in art school. We hang out with art students and skaters and punk rockers. We had this band, and the band was fun. I took to it out of pocket. Nobody played anything like that in the group that we were around. And so we started doing this Tuesday night thing. I was in art school, where some other guys that were hats, punk rock guys that played 
handle it or time. We none of us knew we were just discovering like Randall Jack Hill and going back to all the Doc Watson stuff and all this old stuff that was punk rock and spirit. Charlie Poole, yeah. Uncle yeah. Dave Mays, these guys that were on the stage, you know, just raising yeah. hell. So they were on these old instruments and we started thinking, oh my God, this is where Phil Rock. This is this is Charlie Poole and Uncle Dave Mays. This is some original punk rock. That was that was so awesome. You start kind of measuring yourself. What can I do if I'm on the street, brother and I, playing for somebody? What can I do? Are we going to be able to entertain this? What do we got? Because we're cutting down that five-piece rock band. Now we don't have it. This is raw and naked. There we go. Lyrically, it's naked. Lyrically, you no longer can hide behind distortion and then volume. You know? It could be two guitars because everybody was a singer-songwriter. Two guitars. Once you get out of the rock realm and go to the coffee shop, it's like... Yeah. Yeah. What's going to set it up? So bringing the banjo in was something that was much more biting. I didn't play it, you know. I tried to play it. But he didn't put the tuss Good enough. Good enough. We learned two songs, let's do it. Yeah. It kind of was like that. But then we just took it. We just said, hey, this is, each thing was enough to get us to the next thing. We met Bob. Bob was from Jersey, and he was kind of, he'd been everywhere. Bob from Jersey? Yeah. And he was Bob from Jersey, I'm over here. He what said, did you think of these guys when you first saw them? Oh, man, I, they, uh, you know, I met them at a media play parking lot. You know what? It was like okay. a record store, like a, a box, big box record store. And uh, they got out of the car, and they were wearing, like, cut-off shorts and, like, flannel shirts. So I didn't know what to make so what, wait, what I was told that they were bluegrass. 2001. Yeah, and um, I was told they were bluegrass. You heard, heard of the Avery Brothers? Were the Avery Brothers at this point? No, we're, oh. we're, we're, no. I was looking for a gig. I heard that they, these guys, this bluegrass band, needed a bass player. I was looking, you know, for a job. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was just transient. And we just like got out in the middle of the parking lot, started a gypsy in the parking lot. Yeah. Very much happy. Begging for money. Yeah. And we were just playing. We played some songs in the parking lot. Really? You like, played songs in the parking lot? And, yeah. like, and then we just parted ways. So if we played five songs, we're like, okay, talk to you later. And what, like, what song? A cover song? No, what? well, I mean, we did some original. Uh, we did Kind of in Love, which was an original. Songs that we had written that we just introduced to him and he kind of picked through. And we did like, um, Word like, Man Blues. Yeah, Word Man Blues. Woody Guthrie. Maybe uh, one of the Ramblin' Jack songs. And uh, then did we parted. You know, did you know this stuff? Um, not, not particularly. I mean, I knew the, how the progressions would go. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I knew of Woody Guthrie and all that stuff. I didn't know every song that they played. Let's be, let's be clear, clear about one thing. Bob from Jersey was 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 doing a little bit of hustling because he, <laughs> because he he on the stand up bass was. Uh, a very, very new, right? Yeah, I, was, I just got the stand-up bass. He's like, so you he's kind of like, hustled these guys. Yeah, like, we he's know like, what a good player yeah, he's, like, he's, he's, like, he's like, I'm a stand-up bass player. We're like, oh, he's got a stand-up bass. That makes him a stand-up bass player. There, there, there is a saying, uh, lie and apply. Lie and apply. Which is, That's kind of where we were. Ironically, similar to Scott. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> we agree. Yeah. Practice. Practice. Man. Yeah, no. he's trying to be, have a professional career. Yeah, like a bunch of hats. Yeah, no, yeah. there's no doubt. Hey, hey, this guy's been riding my coattails all along. Today. I knew yeah. GC and D. I knew GC and D. Which, how much more do you need? You know, right? you know there's a lot of songs. GC and um, So you played in the parking lot, and then you, then you, then you, then I didn't hear from him for like a month. We left for this trip. Right. We played with him on the set, and I said, we're going to go live the Woody Guthrie's lifestyle. We took the station wagon and drove all the way to California. 
Wow. Wow. Okay. Wherever we could. Wow. We got pushed around a little bit, knocked around. Like we learned that busking in San Francisco a little different than a different yeah. than busking in small town North Carolina. It's territorial. You can get your ass handed to you like. Where did you bust with We drive like right at Pier 39, where all the yeah. like all these people were down there. So well, we can just set up. Start playing. This police walked up to us and said, Well, this is this is public property. You can't do it here or private property. He said, You go down there, he said the Silvermen are not gonna happen. So the Silvermen. Silvermen are fucking ruthless. They, really, they right. really will tell you. This is our territory. It's like, yeah. like like a hooker. This is my corner. That's right. And, and they're, they're right on that line. Like the police officer is like, down there is where the line is. So like right on the line, this is the closest yeah. they can be to the people or whatever. That's they they've already got their spot, you know, so staked we out. Down. You know? So yeah, we this is kind of crazy. We found this we found this spot, we start playing it, and this guy comes up with red clown rows and everything and some paint and everything else he's just a total yeah. hobo. And he's just got a gritty. bag. Gritty. Like maybe he had a blazer with no shirt like he's like, Hey, this is uh what do you say? The guy's name was like Five Finger Fred or something. He's like, Five Finger Fred, this is his spot, but he's sick right now. And he said, I'm gonna let you guys in on a secret. You can play here. I'll, I'll shit you not, Jay. He said, I'll be back for my percentage later. <laughs> I'm a pimp. And Pimping you we guys. Were like, we were like, the right. guy with the clown nose. The guy yeah, with the clown nose. We said, okay, okay, we'll do it. So he, he walks off and it's got our stand there like, we started the song and then we were like, you know what, this this, we need to get out of here. <laughs> Let's just go. Because who knows who he's bringing by. Right. And this is just weird. This is bad. So we went to Seattle, tried to do it again. If he had a permit. There's a lot of things about it that are uh, you wouldn't know. Tell you no, I just I like to see people on the speed where it's like you got the guitar case out. You got Yeah, I guess if you spend time in the towns and you figure out where the ends yeah. and outs are. Uh, we ended up busking at the Grand Canyon. Got some VHS footage of that. It's crazy. It's wild. Like, what I know we're doing. So we came back from that, and that's when Bob was like, "This is we got to go on the road and do this, you guys." You know, you do that trip, and we thought we'd just get some out of our system, but we were learning. We drove a lot. And we learned a lot. Uh, we came back and Bob set up. Actually, Bob and I both booked a tour on our own in 2002. Um, we started kind of everywhere we'd go, we'd say, well, there were 20 people there. Let's go back. And we'll record it. It's funny. We, we, weren't, this, we weren't really completely aware, Scott and I weren't anyway, that you needed a tour to make something happen. Like, we, for some reason, thought that like it would come to like it would come to you, like your living could come to you. And, I gotta uh, go out and get it. No, you gotta go. I mean, always, every level. You gotta, you gotta go. I gotta go to the people, you know. And like, once, once we first got a taste of it, the first tour, twenty-one days on the first tour, fourteen shows, something like that. Uh, it was such a good experience. It was like, well, we gotta go back. We gotta go back. Yeah. And did you go to the same most of the same places? We, we, we probably figured it yeah. out. Like, Start, started yeah. creating these relationships. Yeah. Right. yeah. Bought a band. Bought another band. Went through another band. Bought an RV. And fortunately for us, it's, it's been like this ever Rats. since. Like, it's been, like, you know. It's real. That's below grassroots. Oh, Chad, we, I mean, we would. The earth so under the grass. We would Xerox, you know, like little little forms, uh, name, email address, cut them up with scissors, t- take like a cardboard box with a slot in the top, you yeah. know, please write your email address on, you know, put them on the, all the tables in the restaurant and get people to drop their, I yeah, I mean, we're, we've been building this very piece by piece the whole time. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It, it, it could have gone faster. And we're really lucky. Because like a lot of hard shows we play for small, you know, there'd be nobody in the place. Uh, we played at Arlene's grocery one, one, two friends of ours. We watched a punk rock band who had it packed, and they just moved shows in and out at Arlene's grocery. Right. We go in and everybody cleared yeah. out. Two people came in of our friends. We play. And now, 
plan is 65,000 people. Yeah. You swallow, you, you, you swallow your pride enough, it becomes nourishment. Yeah, you know. Quote me. We don't like this shit. Like, when we have a crowd, it's like, it's our best week we didn't make this. You know, but, but, but I think it's really cool. Like you say, it's like, it would have been maybe nicer or easier if it happened quicker. In, in, but, in some ways, otherwise it would have made other, it more difficult. You know, you know cause uh, the groups, some of the groups that I know with it, that become popular like right away, they put a band together, they become really popular right away. Really, really difficult. Sure. Right? You think of my friends in Pearl Jam, yeah. you know, and like they struggle with a lot of- Adjustment. Adjustment. At the highest level. That's, that's, that's so high, much. That's so much. We took them out on the Blood Sugar Tour, and it was us and Smashing Pumpkins with the middle act, and they needed a, we took three bands, and they needed a opening act. And it was like, I remember it was like about a week or two weeks before we were starting, and Jack Irons, who used to be the drummer in the Chili Pepper stuff, the original drummer, he was friends with Eddie, the singer. And he said, gave a tape to Fleer Anthony, he said, you know, he's a new band, my friend's a singer, on uh, Epic or whatever, and, and they're, they're looking for a tour. We, you know, listen to them. I remember sitting in the parking lot of our rehearsal place, putting the cassette in. I was all going, yeah. listening to about 30 seconds of it. Going, you know, I, you know, why not? Jack's yeah, we I'm not saying anything had to do with our tour, but, but I watched it from nothing to to Wallapalooza that summer, yeah. six months later. Six months. You know. And you know that was really Chad. They're young guys who like you yeah. know they played, but you know I'm so grateful like you guys saying that and and the Chili Peppers as well. You know, you guys had three or four records. Before oh, four, you really... the one, two, three. I was on the fourth record. Yeah. Mother's Milk was the fourth record. And, you know, wow. it was a little gradual thing. And Mother's Milk kind of did a little bit better. You know, but it was it was it was more gradual because. Young, and you're like in your twenties, and like all of a sudden, you know, you, all that shit comes. All these, all these people around you telling you you're great. You know, yeah. you don't know how to process it. Yeah, you know? and money and everything else that yeah. comes along. I would, I would, I'd be like, I'm, I'm very grateful. What? Good to hear you guys. I, I recently yeah. uh, had had an interview with this fellow, and he he had uh, seen a band uh, recently that has had a much quicker sort of trajectory. And I uh, was saying that, that this fellow on stage was like, how, how in the world did we get here? You know, that's what he said. He was like, do y'all ever feel like, how in the world did you get here? And I just stopped and thought for a second. I was like, I had, that thought was never crossed my mind. Because really. exactly. we've processed every single step. I was like, you know, he's like, well, even when you're in front of a crowd of 50,000 people, Bonner, I was like, you know, we stepped out there. I, it, the thought never crossed my mind, how did we get here? Because my eyes have been have been processing this oh, year after year after year after year. If you start with 15 people and then you see... 25 people in front of you, you see 45 people in front of you, you see 85 people in front of you, you do take you know, over a decade to get up to those thousands of people, it just, it all, like, it is great, like, if I step back, I'm, I'm still just like, man, this is really cool, you know, this is really great, I'm really thankful, but I, but it, my, my eyes don't have to adjust, you know, to step out, and it's like, okay, this makes sense to me, you know, thank, very thankful. It's not necessarily better either, we, we know a couple of groups, friends with some people that seen that yeah. it's really just up to them well Pearl Jam is a great example they're, they're veterans now they, they figured they figured it out they figured it out but it, but it was shaky yeah. for a while but, you sure, know and, and, sure. but they they did they figured it out I love those guys and yeah. and, and um, they you know yeah it, it's it's uh, you know I just I'm just I come out I play it I'm just happy to be 
me. Love it. But I'm sure a lot of people think like you guys are like, yeah, you just hit it, right? Like yeah. with, with us, like Mother's Milk or, or, or Butcher's, like whoa. To the Overnight mainstream people, like oh. But Sugar's your first record, right? And I'm like, no, actually, you know. So they don't, they think, you know. But um, I think it's important to stay grounded like that. Well, luckily for us, we haven't had a lot of choice. It helps the music so much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, we're doing our thing. We're so lucky to be doing it. How lucky are you to do what you love to do? Go play. It's amazing. Get around, see people, meet new people. How do you guys keep the energy of like it's something that we because because of our upbringing, Seth and I like we sometimes don't relate. Like we'll fall into a country or folk realm with some of the people, and uh, some of the guys are really like they're songwriters, and what they do is they stand up and play. We move a lot because we came, we watched and, and grew from people like Mike and people like that. Like we watched those things, we learned from them. We always imitated it. And learned our own voice and moves with it. And how do you like on into your forties? How do you keep the, the energy? Oh, you guys have to like raise it just one day at a time. It's just, yeah, you just. I think that the way we perform is the only way that we really can. You know, it's it's. It's an extension, and I think watching you guys, I think it's, it's an extension of the feeling you get when you play your music. I mean, I can't, Anthony cannot, he's in the studio, he right. cannot wave his fucking arms around and say, he can't, he like, the mic breaks off the studio. He can't not, not do it, it's just the way I, to, to play the way I got I have to play, why do you play so hard? I just, it's the way I play, it's my feeling of that's how I want to play those songs. I love it, and that's, and I think as you get older, you have to, like, we would, like, just do crazy shit, and the next day it would bounce back, and you, you have to take care of yourself, and traveling, and all that, and, and, and you know, I mean, we're not, like, super crazy about it, but it's like, you have to do what you need to do to be able to perform. And we want to perform at the highest level. We want people to come out and see us play. And, and we, we're very, we have a lot of pride in, in, in our live performance. And we really want to do really well. And like, so physically, it's very athletic what we do. We all do. And so, you know, whatever you have to do to be able to do that. So it's, it's important because I, want, I don't want to be like, oh, winded, you know, an hour into the show. It's like, that's the last thing, you know. I'm going to let... Self down, I'm gonna let the other guys down, and then I'm gonna let the audience down. And they paid their fucking 60, 80 bucks or whatever it is. They could spend their money on a lot of other places. So I just want it's a it's to have that. I'm gonna be able to to do that as long as I can. So whatever I I gotta do to do it, I keep doing it. But I thank God there's no drug testing in rock and roll. Many great bands would be stopping the tracks well before they make their best work. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. God, the Stones would have been gone a long time ago. Oh, it would have never started. <laughs> well, lots of been. You know, the drug thing, I mean, we've had our share of all that. I'm not going to sit here and preach about that. You do whatever you do. I just don't want anybody to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. But, um, you know, it, at this point, it's like I can't do some of the things I used to do because uh, it just doesn't work for me anymore. Oh, we're, I mean, we're just we're in this scenario right now. It's, Great, great hangout spot. You know, there's people around having beers, having a great time. And uh, Scott was saying earlier, he's like, man, those guys over there got it, got it, uh, they got it wired. You know, this is like having some beers, grilling out. And I and like, I'm, you know, I'm 32 years old, 
And if I drank a beer right now, it would affect me negatively. Like to, to, to play tonight. Like I just that's just show, we're just yeah. so focused on the show at this point. We for us the, the, the party is not that far in our rear view, you know. Like it, it you know, we're we're a band now for almost twelve years, lingering around that. And uh, we didn't really cut the drinking way, 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 way down until 2007 or eight, you know. So we're, we I mean, to. and we had we had to because we realized, like, as far as like, you know, not like fights, fist fights, but like Scott and I would occasionally have these just absolute arguments like, over, that nothing. Was, over nothing whatsoever, you know. Well, it was and, everything that night. Yeah, it was yeah, everything course, that night, and, and it was always after drinking, you know. So we were like, you know, we we're very lucky that you know only five or six years in, we were like, okay, we need. This is not work. This is not work. Like we 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 see ourselves as lifers if we want to be. We're we're artists. We want to be able to, to you know speak towards possibly a legacy type type kind of deal. We're going to make records for as long as we want to make them. We want that to, that decision to be in our court, not in the court of you know Jack Daniels or whatever. So it's true. But see, some people don't. They don't. They go get it, and, and, and it takes them a while. They can't. Right. Well, it depends. I mean, for some folks, it's it's a disease, you know. For for I'm I'm thankful to say that for me, it's 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 not a disease. I got close friends where it is a disease. It's not just as easy as one night going. You know what? We need to cut the drinking way back. For someone, it's like I got to cut the drinking way back. I need to go and talk to somebody, you know. And like, but there's there's ways to help that. But we we've been lucky to sort of reassess that and get that in a better place. Hey, this is Chad Smith. You've been listening to In Conversation. This was with the lovely Avid Brothers. Handsome, powerful, rich, and men of integrity and great substance. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Stay tuned for more.